The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass presented by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe. You can do it on whatever platform, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. Subscribe to us and you can get notified every week when we drop a new episode or check out our back catalog. We got about 50 plus episodes up there, so. Binge out. Fatherhood is challenging. You have work, your passions, your children, and it can be even more difficult if your children have special needs or disabilities. Well, today we are going to learn from one man's experience, Mr. Randall Wyatt. If you're in the Portland area, you might know Randall from his hip hop group, Speaker Minds. He is also the founder of an amazing organization called Taking Ownership PDX. This group works to counteract gentrification by renovating and revitalizing Black-owned homes and businesses. Before we get in the interview, I want to encourage you to please check out Randall's music by going to randallwyatt.bandcamp.com and go to Taking Ownership PDX to learn more about his organization. All right, let's get into it. Everything just kind of ties into having discipline about it or scaling down and not thinking about the big picture, but just what can I do today? Yeah, one step at a time. And I've learned that along the journey, you know, a lot of unexpected things are going to happen too. I didn't expect to start taking ownership PDX at all. I had no plans of doing something like this until you know, maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago, but the journey took me there and I was open to it. I accepted it. I could have easily been like, nah, it's too much work, but I took it step by step and it turned out to be um, a huge opportunity for me. Another thing I do is multitask. I ain't gonna lie. Like I'd be at work sometimes writing verses, (laughs) you know, Uh, (laughs) or I don't know. And not everybody has that capability, but if you do, if you can find downtime or on your break or something, you know, do do a little something towards your goal and invest in yourself. Yeah, I think busy parents face the challenge of you have so much going on. And then how can you be truly present with your kids when you have a stressful life? Any ideas on that one? You know, that's something I'm really new to. I, I can't lie. It's one of my bigger regrets is that I wasn't as present as I would like to be. I mean, I was there with my kids. I sense the thing about being such a young parent is I was growing up with my kids. And then you think about brain development, you know, you're really not um, fully developed, you know, based on your brain until you're like 25, 26 years old or something. And so that by that time, my kids are six, seven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember a whole lot of my kids toddler years and stuff because I was grinding so hard and I wasn't as present as um as I wish I would have been 
but I, I give myself slack because I was so young and I was growing up with my kids and I, at least I was there. I was supporting them. You know, I did things. I try to be there. But my big thing now, yeah, being present with my kids now is just turning off, you know, when I'm with them, putting my cell phone away is a big one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that thing, that thing is a whole world in itself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, well, notice. <laughs> yeah, you think about how much you check your cell phone in a day or something. And yeah, to even go like a few hours without it, it's most people are addicted to their cell phones. I'd say. Oh, yeah. I feel it in myself sometimes. I see myself wanting to check who's, you know, the dopamine hits of notifications and things like that, yeah. of people liking your stuff. So for me, I, another thing I try to do is play board games with my kids because I'm a big fan of board games and card games and things like that. So that's going to keep my attention and it's, you know, and, and it's engaging for all three of us. Um, that That's huge. Just doing stuff outside, working out together. Me and my sons work out together. Stuff mm -hmm. like that keeps us pretty present. Yeah, that's cool. If you can do something you enjoy with your kids and having fun with them, that really matters. Yeah, that's big. I eat and I eat, you know, we eat dinner together. I don't let them grab food and go to their rooms or nothing like that. Like, no, you gotta, you gotta come eat this food with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think a real challenge for fathers is as men were trained to not be emotional people to like, just tuck it down inside. Don't think about it. And then that in turn goes into how you, or at least how you could raise your kids. And so I just feel like as men, we're in a constant battle to try to counteract this and also appear strong in society. And there's so much going on there. What, what's worked for you as far as teaching your children? It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to feel and express yourself in a positive, safe way. That took time. A lot of that for me didn't come... You know, I've always been a pretty sensitive guy. And then also the music that I listened to growing up helped a lot. Listening to, to you know, artists like Tilipali and Mostef and Common and all those guys, they didn't yeah. really preach toxic masculinity all that much. They actually preached more spirituality and more being in tune with yourself. Um, uh, and so I did get it from that. But really, it really started, I really started breaking down toxic masculinity and all that stuff when I became a social worker and uh, started doing the trainings and really learning about it. Then when I went back to school for um, at PSU for social science and, and sociology and all that. So it took a little while to really, to really learn um, how to break that down and teach that to my sons because society is, is just full of toxic masculinity and it's perpetuated by not just men, but women too, because it's taught to us so much. What did you take away or what did you learn that you're trying to pass along? Um, just not internalizing your feelings, you know, that's the big one is we're taught also that there's a lot, there's a wide range of emotions to that you got that you can, you can feel as men, we're kind of taught to only feel a few of them, right? Anger, uh, lust, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think those are like really the big ones and, and maybe happiness, um, but not too much happiness, you know? Um, so just let my kids understand now, if you need to cry, cry, it's okay. It's actually good. It's a release. If you, if you have all these emotions, um, also just like, yeah, just, just listening to your, your body and your feelings. If you, if you have 
urges and things like that, that's okay. I mean, a big, big, a big step we took was our sex talk and um, them not understanding some of the, the changes in their hormones and uh, why they wanted to, to, you know, masturbate and things like that. So um, yeah. So I think just, just really listening to your body and, and um, not suppressing. Totally. You were talking about how music influenced you and, you know, as a fellow artist, um, something I've talked with other people on the show about is the influence of culture. Like you were listening to Common or Talib Kweli or something. What about music that's less positive? Do you have any thoughts on that? Because on one hand, good art is good art, but then it also is like the ideas that you're putting into your brain and listening to a hundred times too, you know? Well, yeah, absolutely. And I grew up on a lot of music with negative messages. I mean, like Eminem or something, you know, it's yeah. One of my favorite groups uh, uh, growing up was Three Six Mafia, and they're like horrorcore, you know, they're considered like one of the first horrorcore. Yeah. Um, You know, for a long time, I was like kind of boycotting it. I didn't listen to it, I didn't want it around because I'm really, I do feel like it is when you consume consume bad things you can consume bad things in more ways than just eating right yeah you know, you're consuming it when you're hearing it you're consuming when you're looking at it all that um it's really it's really tough to say at this point you know you, you gotta teach the kids the entertain that is entertainment i think one thing that we need to do is we have to have leaders in our community that are explaining that this is entertainment and then also explaining the actual human side of what they're saying. So, you know, a lot of times in hip hop, they're saying they're talking about all these things they did and negative stuff, but they're not really talking about the consequences, like the real life things mm-hmm. that happen when you do, when you live this lifestyle. I think that's happening more by artists because artists are getting older. You know, now we have art, we have artists like we have Nas that's, you know, almost 50 years old. And so he's coming with more mature rhymes. And I think that's bringing more of a balance too. We just need more of a balance. I don't mind the music being out there. My problem is when our mainstream is only pushing one style of music, one uh, narrative. You know, uh, in the 90s, you did have some gangster rap, but you also had native tongues and you had, you know, all this different mess so people can choose and they have a balance. So like I watch action movies, you know, uh, with all kinds of violence and stuff like that. But I also watch... Um, you know, if I have little kids, I'll watch some Disney movies or something too. So yeah. yeah. Well, I think art and stuff too. It's like when you watch an action movie, you feel a little bit of that adrenaline. And then hip hop's so autobiographical that it's like when you're listening to Jay-Z, part of you sort of feels like you're Jay-Z in a way when you hear those songs. And yeah. it just puts you in that energy, which is cool, but also powerful, you know. Yeah, and I, and yeah, you're right. And in, in, in movies, they're actors. You know, Tom Cruise playing an, a character. Yeah. And you don't always know that in hip hop, and that's why what, one thing that my complaint with hip hop is just just humanizing themselves more as artists. You know, yeah, like yes, it's autobiographical, but a lot of the, a lot of it is exaggerated, mm-hmm. and that's that's true. It's very that's what I'm saying. It's like it would be really dope if artists can talk about their life and what they've been through and what they've done but also be real with their listeners um, and just be like, just so you know, though, you know, a lot of this stuff didn't turn out well, you know, that's why I'm, that's why I got out the hood. That's why I didn't, you know, yeah. so. 
Yeah. Well, and that's what makes good art is just being real too. I agree. I think vulnerability is so powerful and so important uh, for if, if you truly care about how you're impacting society. But that's another thing is, you know, a lot of these artists don't, it is not a lot, but there's some artists that just don't give a shit. They don't want to be role models. They talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't knock them for that. I think that's important for them, for, for people to, I, I like when they say that. I think that's actual vulnerability as well. When they're like, I'm not a role model. I'm just out here expressing myself. I'm getting anger out, you know? Yeah, not everyone has to be this conscious person, you know? Right. And I, I just wish we had a uh, more platforms, you know, bigger platforms to get more types of music out, more different different narratives as well. Yeah, there's a lot of great art out there. When yeah. we were talking before, you said that one of your biggest challenges as a father is raising two black boys in America. So I want to dive into that a little bit of what are you teaching your children as far as keeping safe or standing up for equality and things like that? Uh, I just, you know, one thing being, you know, being a sociologist and well, having a degree in sociology and social science, I have to teach them what society, how society and and black studies is how society was built to be against them, Mm -hmm. you know, how and then they have unique names, too. So their job like they got to understand like a job application they somebody might look at that see their names and that that could be uh, an issue you got to work a little bit harder your credentials have to be a little bit better yeah. it's unfortunate that it's like that uh but it's true um i've had to fly to the moon to get where i am today where some people were born into it you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying um we've had hundreds of years of economic exclusion oppression, society, you know, uh, segregation, things like that, that still impact us today. That's one thing I have to explain to my sons all the time. It's like slavery still impacts us today. And I break that down. Um, really how to interact with the cops. My kids have already had an experience where they've been pulled over by the cops. And what, what happened in that experience? Or what did that look like? Well, they were with their mom and, and the cops pulled over their mom and had them roll down the back seat windows. They had a friend with them, a couple black friends with them. And they asked them about if they stole a car or not. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was a report of a stolen car. And my sons, they look old or older. Like they look like they yeah. could be 19, 18, 19. But when you hear them talk, then you're like, oh, they're kids still, you know. So luckily the cops, you know, heard them talk and everything. And then they were like, okay, probably probably wasn't them but that's the scary part about being black boys in in america and looking grown is that you may not always have an opportunity to talk you may not have an opportunity to show your true age and and you're already considered a man at such a young age in in, uh, in america by you know you're considered a threat as soon as you look like a man as a black person um so that's that's the scary thing i always have to tell my kids you know you just you you're considered a threat off the bat. And yeah, already a suspect just pulled uh, yep. over, rolled down the window. I have to tell my sons when we're driving and when we go into stores to take your hood off. One of my sons loves to have his hoodie on. He loves to have it like halfway on. And I'm like, take that off because unfortunately that can bring attention. People might think that you're you're stealing stuff, and it's just it's just better safe than sorry. Unfortunately, I I know that it wish. 
I'm doing my work to try to change society and, and get this narrative out there. So maybe things will change in a, in a few generations. But right now, I just need my sons alive. I don't need any accidents yeah. and shit like that, you know? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and your boys have expressive language disorder. What, what does that look like? Um, you know, we're still learning a lot, but it's just, it, it's just tough for them to express themselves verbally and through writing. So intellectually, they're really intelligent. Uh, socially, they're, they're strong. Um, but when it comes time to like type out what they're feeling or what they're trying to communicate in their head, it's really difficult for them to find those words. They have dyslexia as well. Okay. So it's tough for them to, to find the words, uh, spell the words. Um, you got to repeat things a little bit more to them for them to retain the, the, the information in certain ways, unless they're passionate about it. So I'll tell you what, these dudes will tell you everything you need to know about anime and uh, yeah, a video yeah. game they like. <laughs> and a video game they like. So that's another hard part is um, it's, it's just really like a, a, it's a complicated and unique way that they need to learn. And our traditional schooling system just doesn't have that capacity to, to teach yeah. them how they need to be taught so they've been in this really tough purgatory in school where they needed to take sped classes mm -hmm. but um they're advanced for a lot of the sped classes but they're also just a little bit too behind for some of the mainstream classes and so it's really been tough for me and their mom to figure out how to get them the, the correct services they need for them to excel I think it's tough with schools. I did a lot of advocating for youth and foster care, and I have a mild form of dyslexia and had challenges myself when I was young. And school is such a set system of this is how we do things. So if you're coming in like, okay, we need to alter the set system, it's hard and there's pushback. Has anything worked for you as far as being a good advocate and showing up at the school or anything like that? Absolutely. Uh, me and their mom are a terror. <laughs> We're uh -huh. a terror to the school system. Her especially. She's even more of a terror than me. She will email them nonstop. She'll show up. She'll, you know, she she's no she's no punk about it. And I'm I'm right there, right behind her, you know, uh, or right beside her. Mm -hmm. We we don't we don't let up. And we know we we study, we even hired an IEP uh, lawyer to go over their IEP and find out all the services and figure out if they don't provide the services, what the school system has to do for our kids if they if they can't provide the services on the IEP. That was huge because they really started doing, they really started working hard on figuring out what to, what to do for our kids after we brought the lawyer in, into it. Um, well, that was our school system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. we, so, and it also educated us on the IEP because the language can be a little complex it's a lot of jargon, mm -hmm. you know, that's, you know, that's one thing, that's one of my pet peeves is complicated language when it doesn't need to be complicated. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was effective. It just really staying on them because they're actually not used to that. We get a lot of compliments from, from school systems, from, from schools of how hard we go for our kids and how much we advocate because a lot of parents don't have, don't have that capacity and, and just kind of fall back. You know? Totally. Yeah, just building up your own knowledge and being a strong advocate can do a lot. So much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I wish we had a whole hour. It's been good, uh, you know, getting to know you a little bit more and hear about this side of you. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts or ideas you want to share with the audience here? 
Um, no, I was going to say, like, honestly, I really appreciate you reaching out and having me, you know, on here to talk about this topic because I really, I do a lot of podcasts and interviews, but I never really talk from this angle. And this is extremely important, um, you know, part of my life, my, my being a father, I've been a father my entire adult life. It's a huge part of why I am where I am today and why I do what I do. So yeah, I, I appreciate you, you know, having this conversation with me and letting me get out some of, uh, some of the stuff, you know, some of the stuff that I don't really get to talk about much. Thank you again, Randall, for taking the time and for all the amazing work that you're doing. We appreciate you. This has been The Parental Compass. I'm Bobby Williams. Thank you to Family Education and Support Services. We'll see you next week. Peace.